0: morning. We had great fun in the first service, so I'm looking forward to this one being as much fun. What I realized halfway through was that I hadn't factored into the timing all the applause God was going to get for the amazing things he's done in people's lives when I told their stories. So yeah, feel as free to be as enthusiastic and responsive as you wish. Okay, so transformation in the community. I would like to invite you to imagine a scene on an April afternoon, golden sunlight, you are looking through a window, and beyond it you can see a beautiful scene with wild flowers, birds singing, animals. But the window you are looking for, through is broken, and the house you are standing in is a ruin, because this is a community in Tyneham in Dorset, where the MOD came in, broke the community up, destroyed people's livelihoods, and took it over for practicing for D-Day landings. To me, this is a prophetic picture of transformation, because although a community was ruined, wildlife could flourish there, and it became somewhere beautiful And now tells the story of those people's lives, valuing them as individuals and for the life they led. So for me, this is a prophetic picture of God coming in, transforming things that are broken. Is it okay? Is my voice alright, or shall I use the hand mic? It's okay. And bringing beauty. So, this is what my dreams and passion are around. They are around transformation of individuals and communities. What might it look like to bring the kingdom of God into the community? What has it looked like for you? What might it look like for you in the future? And I hope that there will be things that inspire you as I talk that God will speak to you, awaken dreams in you, perhaps confirm and encourage you in where you're going, perhaps open up new ideas for you. So for me, transformation in the community has very much been about working with individuals and groups that then impact their community. Now, I know there are many ways of bringing transformation into the community and other projects might look quite different But that is how it has been for me. And I'd like to recommend Dave Carter's excellent talk last week, which gives a wider context to what I'm saying today. When he was picking up on our prophetic word about feeding the nations, he was also talking about being big individuals who bring change to society. So... For me, it has been specific projects, and it often has been with people who are financially poor, who are on the margins of society. But in all I say, for you, it could be encounters as you walk around, going about your daily life with people. It could be the family, it could be your workplace, or it could be your business that can bring transformation, maybe through releasing finances or maybe directly through what it does. So the principles I'm looking at um, are from my experience, my stories are from my experience, but there is much that you can take, hopefully, for yourselves and apply. Throughout the Bible, we see that God has a heart for the poor, the disadvantaged, and people on the margins of society. And God is passionate that they do receive justice. And one of our songs says we have a God who goes beyond the margins to people. I'd like to just read some scriptures that reinforce that, though you will find them throughout the Bible. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. And then Jesus announcing his mission, which is our mission too. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners And recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And I love this last verse from Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honour. And I love the way that God takes people, he lifts them up, and he changes their identity, that they can have a royal identity and a royal purpose. So the gospel is good news for the poor. Well, if it's good news for the poor, who even today are overlooked, and certainly in the time of these verses were often overlooked and despised, then our gospel is good news for everyone. But poverty looks like different things. And even in these verses, we begin to see that there are different kinds of poverty. It's not just financial. There is relational poverty too. We hear a lot today about people who are lonely, where relationships, family have broken down and people are isolated. There is a poverty of identity where people don't know who they are. There is a spiritual poverty, and there is also an aspirational poverty, where people are stuck in their situations and don't know that anything can change. Often these things go together, of course, but I'm sure you'll agree that the richest person can be very poor in some of these areas. And so all people, whether they are materially poor or not, need to encounter the transforming love of God. Now, I know there are many people here who have a passion for reaching out and transforming communities. I know there are dreams about reaching out and transforming communities. And some years back, I was praying with somebody and God gave me a very clear picture of All these initiatives, all these hearts at Eastgate being like streams of water that were coming together into a mighty river that was flowing. And over the river was a banner, and on the banner was written the word, Freedom! And I do believe that this is what it is for. We have a God who, as we were singing, breaks every chain, no matter what that chain is. And again, I'd refer you back to a podcast. Pete Carter was speaking about freedom. It's a whole talk in and of itself. It's huge, but there is freedom from things that bind us, that spoil our lives, that break us, and freedom to flourish and thrive and be all that God intends us to be. So, it's about kingdom in the community, change in individuals and communities, but ultimately the eternal transformation that Jesus and the gospel bring. It is about sins forgiven, a relationship with God, and being a new creation. So, I'd like to briefly explain two projects I've been involved with now. And then I'm going to give you stories of how I believe the kingdom of God has been demonstrated through those projects in our community. And I will look at some of the key characteristics and values that kingdom in the community might have and how those are worked out in people's lives. So the activities here are what was formerly offered by Encounter Lounge, which was an Eastgate initiative And we had a premises in the town centre, which we lost when a retail business needed it. So at the moment, Encounter Lounge is continuing, but in a reduced form with story and song for under fives and a drop-in for adults. But we have a dream. And a few of us from Eastgate have been getting together to dream and think about what might these things look like. But even bigger with increase. So, just for a few seconds, I just invite you to enter our dream. So, imagine walking into a premises in Grose End with natural light. It's bright. It's attractive. It has small rooms where people are receiving counselling and sozo to see freedom in their lives. It is buzzing with adults and children involved in creative activities together. Parents being encouraged to engage with their children in activities like that. If you come on a different day, there might be an English conversation class taking place. And very often in the past, we found we've had large numbers of Muslim ladies who are very motivated to improve their English. Come on another day, and there will be a drop-in taking place, which I'll talk more about later, uh, with all kinds of people in the community um, being welcomed, being able to integrate with a wider group of people. And the atmosphere is one of freedom and joy, where the love of God is being shared. People are being encouraged, having prophetic words into their lives, being prayed for for healing and for needs in their lives. So that's just a little taster of a dream that some of us at Eastgate have, um, that we're looking to see God work out for us, and it will be like an expansion of what Encounter Lounge was. The second project I'm involved with is a Churches Together in Gravesham initiative, and it's an outreach to the homeless, largely a night shelter, but a little bit more than that. So for inca- for Sanctuary, we aim to be a first point of contact for homeless people in the area. We've also in the past um, done community meals, which have taken in a wider group of people than that. Maybe people sofa surfing, those facing the prospect of eviction, and we've been a community and provided a meal for them as well. And I will say at this point, we have actually got an Eastgate team this year that's getting involved in Sanctuary, so, if anything I say sparks an interest in you, or if you feel there's any other um, way of reaching the homeless, maybe through work experience that you can offer, you know, being quite creative, then I would love to talk to you. So, what are these values? What is this culture that is in these projects? And it's very much a reflection of culture at Eastgate. So, one of the key qualities is compassion and love. And I would suggest, I don't know if you will agree, that anything we try and do that's not rooted in compassion and love will soon burn out and fizzle out because it becomes an effort. Uh, It can lead us into legalism and striving. And where does this compassion come from? For me, it's rooted in my identity in God. So, it's knowing that I am loved by you, and that is who I am. And from that identity, I then reach out in compassion to others. So, that compassion enables us to look past what people have done and their struggles. One of our songs says, "'You're the one who never leaves the one behind.'" So our compassion is not judgmental, our love is unconditional, we don't condemn, and in both projects we have loved people through the darkest times in their lives, and one of them said to us recently, nobody has ever cared for me in the way that you care for me. But, are we a soft touch then, a pushover? meeting the knees of everybody who comes to us. Well, I'd like to show you a little clip. I cannot compete with the jokes of another certain well-known preacher at Eastgate. So I've had to resort to YouTube for my humour, I'm afraid. And um, I'm going to show you a clip from Rev that you might be familiar with, where you will see Mick, a very charming but rather hapless homeless person with a drug addiction and we'll look at what we maybe can learn from mick so i would suggest to you that compassion isn't um, being walked all over it's not encouraging dependence in people where their situations then never change but it is encouraging personal responsibility and facing up to the truth of their situations. For Mick, his experience, his engagement with the church hasn't led to change, has it? Because he's been allowed to just demand and he's never had to face up to the truth of his situation and take responsibility himself for changes. So this to me links in with culture of honour. It's not honouring for people to become dependent In both projects, we seek to treat people with dignity and respect, recognising the image of God in people. And although we're not judgmental, there are boundaries, and we support people to take responsibility for their lives. So it's not a hand out, but a hand up, and a place where people are empowered To make changes to their situations. It's very tempting as Christians. I think we often feel that we have to fix people. Well, one thing I've learned is that you cannot fix anybody. Ultimately, people can only fix themselves, and with the power of God, um, even more so. So we listen to people, they feel safe, valued, and understood. But we also recognise strengths in people. That's part of our culture of honour. It's not that they're on the receiving end and we are the ones giving all the time. And I don't think I've ever walked into a sanctuary shift without a whole string of people waiting to come in asking me how I am. And I got a text from one person yesterday who I've had his permission to share his story or parts of it. I told him weeks ago when I was doing this and I got a text last night saying, good luck for your speech tomorrow. And wanting me to let him, him know how I get on. So, homeless people have often been urinated on, they've had their possessions burnt, they've been attacked. Not just homeless people, but people who've been involved with lots of services. Their identity often becomes centred around their problems. Because that's where the focus has been. And so that becomes what defines them. And so for me, culture of honor is so important in calling out the gold in people, in constantly reinforcing the way that God sees them. So one person was homeless after losing his family, and he really was at rock bottom with no confidence at all, very um, uncertain about what he could do or where he could go. But amazingly, he was working every day. And I just said to him, God has put such strength in you. And every time I saw him, I would encourage that in him. He is now housed, continuing with work. Everybody who sees him says, you look so different. Because he is completely transformed in his outlook and his character. Actually, I will tell you, the first service did applaud at that point. (laughs) Come on. And then a second value, community and relationship. And we know for both Encounter Lounge and Sanctuary that this is something that people value most. So people will say Sanctuary has become a family for them, a safe place from which they can tackle some of the issues that they face. Encounter Lounge has created community a place of safety and friendship for people, some of whom have um, mental health issues or learning disabilities, and it's a place they can come and feel safe and start to integrate with members from the wider community. We have um, mums and children who have formed friendships at Encounter Lounge that have gone way beyond Encounter Lounge activities and lasted for years. So it's community that is spilling out into the wider community. And it's true for both Encounter Lounge and Sanctuary that um, they start to look out for each other beyond the confines of our project and look out for each other day by day in the community and support each other. Presence, carrying the presence of God. I'd like you to imagine again a room of maybe 30-plus people who... Are mainly rough sleepers, quite a few drug users, alcohol users, a whole mix of people in one room, quite a small room for a meal. They have history on the street, and the potential for conflict is huge. But always when I 'm there, I ask the presence of God to come. And actually, we have had very few conflicts or arguments or raised voices, but an atmosphere of joy and peace. That's got to be the presence of God, come on, hasn't it? That doesn't happen naturally. (laughs) And two other quick stories. A young lady whose relationship ended. She was out on the streets she was so nervous that she wouldn't try and sleep anywhere. She would just find brightly lit spaces to walk around all night. And we prayed with her. We gave her accommodation overnight when we were open. And she is now working. She has her own flat. She is part of a church, and she says, "I knew God was with me." Come on. Are you liking these stories? One more about the presence of God. So a gentleman this time who had lost everything and was talking regularly about just wanting his life to end. And I know from talking to him since that was a genuine desire. Just didn't want to go on living anymore. And various people shared scripture with him, prayed with him, encouraged him. And one night he had an encounter with God in his sleep and that desire to end his life was just lifted off completely. <clears throat> and in Canter too, we've seen people healed. we prayed with lots of people and seen answers to prayers, sometimes about the way their children are settling into school. And people would just come past because we were always there and just drop in and receive prayer and encouragement that we know really impacted people's lives. So, hope, another kingdom quality. We know the God of hope. We can have hope for anyone, whatever their situation, supernaturally in the power of God, we can have hope for them. And just one story about that. There was somebody... I believe he was a Christian, actually, who used to beg in Grey's End a couple of years ago. Why did he beg? He wasn't homeless, but he hated being lonely, isolated in his flat. And his flat was pretty awful anyway. And he was facing eviction because it was going to be sold. And this is a whole topic in itself, but I wouldn't usually give money to people begging on the street. So this is very much an exception. God clearly said to me, go and get a certain amount of money out for him. And it was quite a significant amount of money, way beyond what I would normally have given. But it was to give hope. So what I had to say to him was, this is like a guarantee of more to come. God wants you to know this is like a first payment, that there's going to be a good place for you to live where there will be relationships and community, not the kind of place where you're living now. And he now lives in a much better place, uh, surrounded by people in good accommodation, which happened not too long after that. Uh, come on. <laughs> so the last quality... Very closely linked is confidence in the goodness of God. We know the goodness of God, we know He has good plans for people. So we have seen people housed, we have seen people staying free from addictions. Actually, there was a story which I will tell you, backtracking a bit, it was the presence of God. I've had the great privilege of walking alongside somebody as they were coming off of heroin with professional support. But just constantly praying for him, sharing God's love, David brought a brilliant prophetic word to sort of help him unravel that. So we have seen God's goodness for him, and it looks like now he is going to be accommodated. But we have seen 35 of our rough-sleeping guests, at least, possibly more, Housed in permanent or long-term accommodation. And quite a number more in temporary accommodation as well. We have seen um, people getting work. Uh, One guy came to us just after he'd stopped using heroin round about Christmas time. He stayed in our shelter. He had lost his job because of his addiction. He now has that job back and is renting a flat. So another story. And then finally, with personal stories, quite a number of our guests are now part of churches. Some have become Christians. Just a little bit from Facebook of one who, a lady who was a guest of ours at the homeless shelter. I am not ashamed of this. I have taken a big step in my faith now, thanks to some great people who showed me not to be afraid in any way. God is a healer and saviour. He died for us all on that cross that day and came back to life. Even if you feel broken... Just say a prayer. I just wanted to say that because I want everyone to know. (laughs) So there's a lot I could say about its wider impact, both of these projects, on the wider community. I hope I've started to hint at that. And obviously those projects, I think you'll see, do address the different forms of poverty that I spoke about at the beginning in different ways. Um, These statistics are just to give you some idea of the scale of how many people we are seeing. So we have been partnering with the Methodist Church, so I've given you a longer term figure over four years, again, just to show you the scale of it that we had contact with 791 people. Some of that would have been quite brief, some of it would have been much longer term. And Encounter Lounge, similarly, hundreds of adults and children over four years. We have partnered a lot with the council, and I would say we have changed their attitudes towards homelessness, their understanding of homelessness, and they have given us amazing provision for our overnight shelter and are much more aware of the issues and the difficulties faced by homeless people. Uh, I would say the local community has also uh, become much more understanding and supportive, and we do work with lots of agencies and charities, so the impact is, is quite wide. There has been work done to research how much it costs to have somebody on the street for 12 months. I think this is from Shelter, but the suggestion is it costs £26,000 of public money for one individual on the street for 12 months. And that is things like... Um, emergency care, because when you're on the street, it tends to be a crisis, not regular GP help, Um, other 999 services dealing with antisocial behaviour, things like that. So actually, when we get people off the street and into accommodation, that is having a wide impact. And the police tell us that when our shelter is open, there are a lot fewer incidents on the streets of Grey's End because they're all in with us. But the presence of God is there. (laughs) We have the peace, presence, and joy of God, so that, that's fine. Um, and just thinking of Encounter Lounge, I've also seen some police statistics that actually, I can't share you share them with you because they're very confidential, but it shows the impact that regular contact with Encounter Lounge was having on a particular person. And I have to say too that we pass on information from our shelter to Campaign Kent, which is campaigning for wider justice for homeless people in the county and in the country. Okay, we are nearly there and it's looking quite good. So, my personal history in a nutshell, that was me at 17. I was gonna work with drug addicts, I was gonna see society changed, I had a Salvation Army background, I was passionate about changing the world. And time went on and I had contact with homeless people and a few others. We came to Grey's End, the church was high profile in the town centre, so who did we attract? Homeless, drug addicts, alcoholics and people with a whole range of quite serious issues. So what happened after a few years, especially of having people in our home, was that we were quite burnt out, quite disappointed because people hadn't changed when we hoped they would. So this was more me at that point. And I was not going to have anything to do with people who were poor or had addictions anymore. Thank you, Jesus. That part of my life had completely come to an end and I was moving on to other happier things. But (laughs) God had something different in mind and an offer to just, yeah, I could come and help at the shelter, turned into a passionate involvement where I feel I thrive And I think people have told me that I'm in my element there, and I feel that's true. So why have I mentioned that? Well, I know that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And possibly there are some of you who've had dreams for your community that you feel have got lost along the way or squashed or have faded. And so I would just ask Holy Spirit to come and revive dreams that are lost and to just lift disappointment off of you and for the last few minutes I would like to just play a song from Bethel and I would just like to invite you to engage with God yourselves and to ask him where you are what does change and transformation in the community look like for you possibly you already have dreams so I pray that God will enlarge and inspire them My dreams, I think I've shared most of them, but I do want to see still addicts-free, county lines that bring drugs from London onto our street broken, families reunited, because so many of our homeless guests have children. Yeah, I forgot to say about one who came to us straight from prison into street homelessness, which is really common. Now housed... Building a relationship with his children again. Amazing. That's what I want to see. People not living on the streets. People sheltered and being free to be all that God wants them to be. To be in work. To be living fulfilled lives. What are your dreams? What is transformation like for you? Please just be with God as I play this. And see what he says to you. Oh. Never too old to dream, you are never too old to set another dream or to dream a new dream.